Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a CatSource family production. In this episode, we discuss Buffalo, New York, an NFL career, and building a business that helps high school athletes reach their dreams. All of this and more with former Illinois and Buffalo Bills offensive lineman Marcus Sullivan. This podcast exists in large part because of CatCM, the content marketing business inside CatSource Inc. So what does CatCM do? You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? Well, that's what we do. Content creation and distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CADCM, we exist to help business leaders build a meaningful legacy that is worth living and leaving. Learn more by visiting CADCM.com. Marcus and I met on Twitter after Marcus made his thoughts felt about someone hating on Buffalo, New York. Marcus wasn't having any of that. As someone who was born and raised in Buffalo, I was drawn to his commentary. From that, I've come to learn about all the amazing things Marcus is doing. So it's an honor to chat with Marcus on this podcast. Let's not wait any longer and welcome Marcus Sullivan. What was fascinating to me is I love Twitter and I've heard you on some podcasts or on a podcast recently and you were talking about how you like Twitter and there was a comment recently and, and it's funny is I don't even know what the original po- person was talking about, but it was something about comparing. He never said Siberia, but it was like when you do something like that in the NFL and it was something bad or not listening to direction or not playing well, you end up in Buffalo. Like they're comparing Buffalo to Siberia, not exactly, but in a way like that's where people go to like when your career's over. And you immediately hopped in there and said, well, I actually enjoyed my time in Buffalo. And you talked about the organization and what they did for you and flying uh, you, you know, to your grandmother's funeral, I believe. And what's been amazing to me is you've now been featured actually in other places on Buffalo Bills blogs and other podcasts on this podcast. Not kind of as a result of that interaction that you had with that individual person. Because it's just you put yourself out there and you believed in something and you're willing to share that story with other people. Because I think people in Buffalo, and it's not just Buffalo, it happens in a lot of cities, Detroit and you name it. But people are sick and tired of that. And then it's like, well, let's hear from the people that actually know and that are willing to put themselves out there to stand up for what they believe in. So anyway, I just think it's fascinating that social media gives us that opportunity. But tell me a little bit about where you've come from as far as now you're a part and you're part of Twitter, you're doing all this and you see someone talking bad about something that they just don't know anything about. Oh yeah. I I appreciate that. Um, so I guess let me start by saying, um, I grew up a Buffalo Bills fan. So, um, I was my probably 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, when the Bills start making those Super Bowl runs and, you know, I'm from Chicago, so obviously we're a Bears town. But, um, you know, after the 85 Bears kind of fizzled out, you know, they, they kind of went into a slump, <laughs> you know. So, yep. um, and around 10, 11, 12 years old, I really start kind of understanding the game of football, you know, because I didn't play when I was younger. Um, you know, they had, uh, you know, weight limits back then, and I didn't meet any of them. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's when my love of Buffalo kind of started. You know, I was a huge fan of all those Super Bowl teams, and, you know, this is when uh, Super Tecmo Bowl was out, and Buffalo Bills are probably arguably, oh, yeah. arguably the best team <laughs> on the game. So, you know, that that's kind of where, you know, my whole love of the city and the, um, you know, the organization came from. And then, lo and behold, I get drafted to Buffalo in 2001, you know. So, 
And the crazy thing about it was I never thought I'd even be drafted by Buffalo. They called me. I thought I was going to Jacksonville in the first or second round, but uh, that didn't happen. Um, so I fell to the fifth round, and Greg Williams gives me a call and said, hey, we're going to take you with the fifth pick, you know, the fifth-round uh, draft pick. And, uh, you know, I, I was, um, you know, elated, but yet kind of disappointed that, you know, my draft status went down so low. But, you know, it took a, a, a day to think about it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in things happen for a reason. You know, your life's already predetermined. So, you know, my love of Buffalo as a youth, you know, kind of came to fruition when I got to play for the team. And I really started to become humble you know, humbled myself and, um, you know, just said, hey, man, this is God's plan right now. You know, this is where, you know, you should, this is where your life is taking you to this point, you know. So I'm not certainly not saying, like, you know, um, you know, God predetermined me a football player because I, I, I can go on about that forever, you know, just as far as, um, you know, your importance uh, as a human being. But anyway, let me, I'm getting off uh, target. But, um, yeah, I mean, so I get the opportunity to play for the Bills. And, uh, you know, spent uh, three and a half years there and uh, almost four years. And, um, you know, they treated me well, you know, I, for the most part. You know, I feel that, you know, any player would feel that he, you know, continue should be continuing playing or starting, you know, when they get that opportunity. But, you know, I, 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 I feel I'm blessed that I got opportunity to play for Buffalo. I think it's a great organization. And, you know, the people of Buffalo and the town really what got me. You know, I saw so much potential and opportunity in Buffalo. Um, you know, at the time, I was one of three players that lived downtown Buffalo. I lived, uh, you know, right in the Riverwalk area, you know, right by the yep. harbor there. And, um, you know, I said, this town's got a lot of potential. You know, me coming from a big city in Chicago, you know, I saw the, um, you know, the uh, evolution of the town. You know the reemergence of the town. You know, because downtown Chicago was uh, was a dump as well back in the, you know, the eighties, late seventies and eighties. You know, so, um, you know, it was it was not the place to have business, is what I'm trying to say. But sure. you know, it got kind of re- um, revitalized in the early nineties, and you know, now it's 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 one of the best cities in the world. So I kind of saw that in Buffalo. You know, it's um, you know, it's a, a town right on freshwater. And, you know, it's uh, you know old um, you know uh, Rust Belt town, but you know there's a lot of potential here. You know, Toronto's only an hour and 15 minutes away, so you know if you have to go to a major city, you know you can get there fairly easy. If you really want to go to New York, uh, it's an hour plane right away. And uh, you know, people in Buffalo really treated me well, man. I never had any issues with anybody. You know, when, when I was recognized, you know, people always said good things, even you know after some tough losses. So you know, I always remember that. You know, and just. I just felt, uh, you know, a great opportunity to be able to play, um, you know, for the team and the organization. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's I think it is almost a midwestern town. It's closer to Cleveland than it is New York City, so it, it has that midwestern feel. And I've always felt like Buffalo is a uh, very small version. And even though Buffalo is not a small city, right? It's not a huge city. It's not a Chicago, but it's a smaller city of like a Chicago because it has the sports vibe. It's a, let's call it a drinking town. I mean, they love their bills. They love their savers. They love going out to bars. They love the bars stay up until four o'clock in the morning, right? In Buffalo and Chicago's got that feel. They love their food. There's just, there's something about it that I think is just, it's a lot of fun. It's a vibrant place when you're there, if you go to the right places. And like you said before, you said it a couple times, you said the people there, the people treated you well. Now, every city's got issues, right? There's all sorts of, there's definitely be problems. You know, run to the wrong crowd or wrong people, but 
in sure. Buffalo, they, they're, they're just, they're passionate, right? It's a passionate group. That's why they get defensive on social media. That's why they get defensive when they talk about things. There's no doubt there's issues with Buffalo. I mean, I could, you mentioned the waterfront. Like, you could go back years and we could talk about, well, the mistakes that the city made, the city council made over the years, or someone made mistakes of, you know, they put the university not in the city. They, they don't build the stadiums perhaps on the water. They don't build, you know, the river walk or the water walk that they could have had in Buffalo. But those are mistakes and they've changed it and they revitalize it and it's growing and it's an incredible place. And the weather is what the weather is. And some people like it like that. You know, there's a lot of outdoor activities you can do. People love hockey in Buffalo. You can play outdoors, indoors. I mean, one of the things we used to do growing up is play street hockey. Even if you didn't play ice hockey, you anybody could grab a stick and play street hockey. And that's a yeah. lot of fun. So, you know, it's, it is the people. And it's always fascinating to me when someone comes from out of Buffalo, like you did, you come from Chicago, you get drafted to Buffalo, you have no choice but to go to Buffalo and embrace the city, live in downtown, be a part of the culture and show up. And then you show up at the time to Ralph Wilson Stadium, now New Era Field. And yeah. it's almost probably like you're back in college playing in these college atmospheres. Because I've been to a numerous, I've been to numerous stadiums, I've been to some college stadiums as well. And it's almost like you can't describe the atmosphere for a Buffalo Bills home game. Did you feel that as a player? Did you feel that coming into the stadium on game day? Yeah, I kind of think you take it for granted. Uh, you know, when uh, you're there, you know, it, it's, it's kind of normal. You know, but when you, you know, I'm retired now and, you know, get opportunity to go to uh, different cities and experience, you know, the college games and some pro games, you know, you really look back in Buffalo, I mean, like, they really did stuff big there you know so you go to some of these other places and it's you know it's not it's nearly it's extravagant that you'll find at the uh you know at one bills drive but uh yeah man it's um it's, it's a special place you know and you know there, there's always room for growth anywhere you go but you know I, I was back there last year recently and uh man just to see um you know how the city's changed since i've been there you know i can just imagine the next 15 or 20 years that's it. Yeah, they, and you, you new ownership, right? Ralph Wilson was the owner. Now it's the Pagula family that owns the Bills, and, and changes are yeah. there. They made the playoffs. You know whether they got in. It was you know it was uh, interesting how that happened. They didn't have the the great season, but they slipped in there at the end, and it counts, right? So they made the playoffs. It's, it had been seventeen years, which is kind of crazy. And you know, there's a new uh, vibe about the Bills right now, and we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, it's been tough as a Bills fan because you're always hoping for good things, but I, but I don't put it, I never put it on the players, right? I think management can make decisions. They can, whether it's drafting wrong or, you know, changing the coaches every few years or, you know, not finding, as we all know, you're not finding the quarterback of the future. And, you know, they had Jim Kelly, like you said, for all those years, they had this incredible core, but that was a different era of the NFL. Free agency hadn't really hit the bills yet. They kept their core together for all those years. Now it's like, you can't have all those players on the same team for all those years because one player is going to want something more and they have the right to do that and become a free agent. And next thing you know, they're not on the team anymore. Andre Reid or Thurman Thomas, probably they couldn't all stay together. Right. So things change over there. So let's see what happens now. But, you know, do you do you follow the bills? I'm sure you still follow the NFL, follow football. And we're going to get into your involvement with sports and new sports and all that. But do you still follow the NFL and the bills? Yeah, I do. I do. I try to look in. You know what's going on with the, you know player transactions, just to see what's going on with the community. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I still do. Do you feel good about like the direction that they're going? I mean, from someone who understands it, and I think like offensive linemen and you know people, you really have a in-depth knowledge that the average fan or even the more not the average fan would have about the game and kind of seeing the direction that they're going. Do you look at the Bills with your experience and your 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 expertise on the game, let's say, and you feel good about the direction they're going? Yeah, I really do. Um, obviously, it always starts with the QB position. It seems like Josh Allen is their guy for the future, you know. So I got an opportunity to see him, uh, you know, with his, his draft class of, of uh, QBs and, you know, just watching him throw. The kid's got the strongest arms that you'll ever see, you know. So I just think he, uh, you know, uh, hopefully he doesn't have a sophomore slump. And, you know, you got, God forbid that, you know, because the kid definitely has talent. You know that that there's no question. You know, so it starts there. I think they got a you know pretty solid core group of guys uh, around the board, especially defensively. You know, so and they did an excellent job of bringing in some uh, you know some some great draft picks. Uh, Ed Oliver Jr. You know, is going to be a tremendous tremendous player in this league. You know, a la um, you know um, Aaron Donald, I believe. You know, so uh, yeah, they they got the pieces, and Sean McDermott is the guy to you know, put everything together, you know, making sure that, um, you know, the talent they have is being utilized effectively so they can win football games because obviously the Patriots are always going to be there, you know, and Miami's, uh, you know, emerging as well. You know, and then, you know, they certainly can't count on the Jets. The whole AFC East was always, uh, you know, to me, one of the, you know, the top three conferences in the NFL, you know, you know, because you have so many great teams. But, um, you know, the Bills have uh, unfortunately been on the, the back end of that. But, you know, we're going into a new decade, and, you know, who knows? You know, Tom Brady's not going to play forever, you know. So well, let's hope not, right? Got <laughs> if you're a right. Bills fan or anyone else in the AFC East, yeah. Anybody, it's, right. It's funny because I'll yeah. tell people who, um, you know, are younger, let's say in their 20s right now, and they only know the Patriots being dominant. And I, we have a, a guy in our office, John Priori, he's part of a lot of our podcasts, a lot of the content that we do here, and he's a huge Jets sure. fan. But I tell John, I'm like, John, and we had a, Mike Elkins, he's an attorney, he's a uh, South Florida guy, we work with him some, he's a huge Patriots guy. And we talk about the times, I'm like, the Patriots used to be the afterthought. Like, there was a time when you were rooting for the Bills back in the 90s, like, if the Bills played the Patriots close, or if the Patriots played the Bills close, let's say, and the Bills still won by like a field goal, we were like, what's wrong with the Bills? Something's wrong, right? Because the Patriots were an afterthought. And now it's just amazing how things change and time changes. And the Patriots, I think, won't dominate forever. It's just, it doesn't work that way. Things, you know, they can't. And it's, you know, it's been a long time and it's, kind of, it's a little bit ridiculous and it's a little bit maybe of a knock on the other organizations and how they've built their teams and they haven't had any stability because you hear about with the Patriots, they tell these stories and they'll pull plays out of a playbook that they had seven years ago where the Bills and the Jets, they can't go back three years because they're all new players. They're all new offensive coordinator and coaches and quarterback coach. It's like they're all just still learning about each other. <laughs> and, you know, I think stability, I would imagine does well. I think you even had that when you were in Buffalo because you were part of a good team and maybe they didn't have the success on the field because so much, as you know, goes into being a successful football team, but being a part of a cohesive offensive line, I've always noticed that the offensive lines that stick together throughout the years do better. 
But if I'm not mistaken, they started messing with that a little bit. They started breaking up the offensive line that you guys had. I know you had Drew Bledsoe on the team and Peerless Price and Eric Moulds and Travis Henry. I mean, incredible you know, team with a good offensive line. I think you and Jonas Jennings and there's other guys there. Ruben Brown might have been around that time too. But they started breaking that up, and I, I feel like that might have been part of the issues that those teams had, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're, you're 100% correct. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I mean, you think about it, those 01, 02, 03 teams, uh, you know, the Drew Bledsoe era, you know, you had some outstanding players. You know, you had a you know future Hall of Famer, Ruben Brown, and, you know, arguably Drew Bledsoe. Um, you know, you had countless pro bowlers, you know, from Eric Moulds, Travis Henry, you know, to Pat Williams, to Tequil Spikes, to London Fletcher, to Nate Clements, you know, even Terrence McGee. You know, you had a bunch of guys that were good football players. Aaron Schobel, you know, Jonas Jennings. You know, you had some of the outstanding players on that team. And, you know, it just got, kind of got broken up after, you know, 03. <laughs> you know, and then they went into the uh, – you know, the Mark Malarkey area, era, then, um, you know, he abruptly quit. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it just kind of went downhill from there. After I, I thought Greg Williams was a, was a good coach. You know, I had, you know, he was very uh, detailed and regimented, you know, but that's great, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's, it was a good structure, I believe, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, it seems like after, uh, you know, Greg left, it was, uh, you know, kind of went downhill for, you know, 15 years, 10, 15 years. <laughs> Do you see that then? Because if, if they kept the consistency, you stay on this track. It's almost like if you're going to hire this guy, unless something really bad comes out and they're, or just, just can't win a game, right? Or there's something that's, you can't you can't put your finger on it. It's just really a mess. you got to stick with the plan at least for a while especially in this because now you've just watched the New England Patriots pass you by and they're how many years into this new this program that they've built and all these other teams are just changing over and over and over again and it's not working so when you break up that consistency you start like you just said it's frustrating looking back at it to say well what could have been if we could have kept that unit together we could have kept everyone together but we could have kept the semblance we could have kept the the core of it together and now it's all broken apart and now all these years later you know they, they seem to still be looking for that maybe they're on the right track now and i believe that they are sticking to a plan they are on a what year three yeah, i believe yeah i mean they have the quarterback they have the coach and i don't think mcdermott's going anywhere you right know, I, I don't i think they're pretty locked in with him and you know they're, they're they're married to josh allen now so you know those are the two components that the patriots have had consistently for the last you know 15 20 years you know so, um, you know, it's definitely a good blueprint to follow, um, you know. So I think the Bills, you know, a good goal for the Bills is to at least beat the Patriots once a year and, uh, you know, be right in the hunt for that wild card, wild card spot, um, you know, as long as Brady's there. Because as long as Brady's there, they got a chance to win the Super Bowl, you know. So, and, you know, until he leaves, you know, they should be fighting for, you know, to – Obviously, it's grown the Patriots, but, you know, just just beat them once a year, you know, would be the goal for me, you know, because that would certainly uh, hinder their, you know, their chances, obviously, in the AFC East and, you know, them to, you know, get a top spot in the playoffs. So, you know, um, yeah, I think that should be the goal, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it, would, it wouldn't hurt to beat them once a year. They, they've had some wins in the past. I know you guys had that big win when you guys, sh I believe, shut them out. It was like 31 nothing that first game of the year. 
um, that that kickstarted everyone thought uh, that was it. That was the Bills' year, and um, didn't happen. It was right. Takeo Spikes, I think, first game. They signed Lawyer Malloy maybe the week before, like on a Tuesday, maybe before the game even started. <laughs> um, you know, things like that took I place. That. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, Watching players um, mature and become, and you mentioned Eric Moles as an example, and, and he was always uh, incredible to watch, you know, as far as watching skill position players, let's say. And you had Eric Moles come into the league, and, and there was a lot of thought that he might become a really good player. And, and he was there, I think he started, he was in the late 90s. Um, he kind of started breaking out back a little bit before Doug Flutie was a quarterback one year with him. What was it about, not just Eric Moles, but players like that, and that that kind of like come into the league and they take off into new heights like and and you probably see it in the real world in the business world let's say um what is it about someone let's say eric molds that allows them to catapult into a new atmosphere of when it comes to just just almost dominating like i don't think he was coverable uh when he was with the bills for a while as long as they could put hopefully a quality quarterback with him I mean, he was just amazing to watch, you know, bigger, stronger, faster than it seemed like most anybody that they put against. But what was it about him in practice or what you saw or other players like him that just allowed them to just succeed like they did? Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Guys like Eric and, and Ruben Brown, you know, they came right after those Super Bowl teams, you know. So they got, you know, when they were young, they got opportunity to learn what winning is and, you know, how to conduct yourself as, as a professional you know, so they took that knowledge and, you know, the the skill that they had, you know, they just maximized it. You know, E. Moulds was, you know, uh, you know, always one of the hardest workers at practice, you know, always running precise routes, full speed and practice every time. You know, he practiced like he, how he played in the game, you know. So, um, and then that's, there's no formula for that. That's just hard work, you know what I'm saying. So, um, you know, when players have the ability and maximum, you know, work, extremely hard to maximize it, that's when you have players that go to the next stratosphere, you know. Um, and if you're getting in the NFL already, you're a good football player. But, you know, if you're able to maximize, you know, every ounce of talent that you have, you know, that puts you on a not only a high stratosphere of respect, but also, you know, recognition and, you know, um, you know, uh, being able to solidify yourself in the, you know, the uh, Hall of Fame talks, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I like what you said, because it's being around the right people, right? Being around a good group, leaders and all that. But then having that individual on the other end of it, because there's a lot of players that were put in those positions that didn't take advantage of it. Obviously, Eric Moulds did being around, you know, like the Andre Reeds of the world and seeing how they practice, how they participated um, in practice, in the games and, and what their what their routine was like. Um, so I think right. that's important. I think that applies to business when you, you have to get yourself into, for a young person coming into business, you have to go into that right setting to help build your career and pay attention to what they're doing and learn from them and, and put in your time, if you will. You might not start right away. You might not get the opportunity to close the big deal, but you get around those people. And I think that's a, that's a great analogy. We like, and with sportsypreneur, we like to take the sports and entrepreneurship analogies and kind of draw them all together, become one because there's so many commonalities, I believe, between it. Um, and another one that is, and you brought this up before, you thought you might be going in the first or second round of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You end up going to the Buffalo Bills, you're a fan of, in the fifth round. And that's obviously a big surprise. And I heard you somewhere, and I believe it was in a podcast, you talked about adapting and overcoming. And obviously, you have to find the opportunity in those things. And then you come have the opportunity to adapt and to overcome because... It's just not all easy, right? It's not all sunshine and rainbows, and we might think it is, but it's not. And you've lived that, and you've been a part of that. And, and I think what happened is 
it's amazing things that came about because of that situation. Maybe you're not where you are today if the Bills don't, if you don't go to the fifth round and you don't go to Buffalo and get set out on this course, for you to have the opportunity to adapt and overcome. And we're going to get a little bit more into what you're doing today, but talk to me a little bit about adapting and overcoming. Well, you know, myself being an athlete, I believe you are able to utilize the, you know, the different principles and that you've learned, you know, growing up as an athlete, as a student athlete, and, you know, being able to apply that to a lot of aspects in your life, you know. So, you know, the game of football, athletics, period, taught me a lot about overcoming adversity, you know, because it's never going to go your way 100% of the time in athletics, and that's certainly the case in life, you know. But as long as you are properly preparing yourself for the, um, you know, different situations and testing life, you know, you are be you'll be more satisfied with the outcome. You know, and essentially, if the outcome is not what you want it to be, you're able to make the adjustments because you know how to fight through adversity. You know how to kind of mitigate, um, you know, disappointment and be able to utilize that to, uh, you know, for uh, learning lessons. You know, so you're not making essentially the same mistakes again, or you're making better um, decisions in the future. Youth sports relates to a lot of this, relates to a lot of that. And I know you deal in the youth sports world and understand it. Um, didn't start playing football until you were a freshman in high school. Um, I talk to my son a lot. My son's a soccer goalie. He's in middle school. He's moving up to high school. And as a soccer goalie, you're dealing with the ups and downs. You're by yourself. It's a roller coaster ride. You know, you might make a great play or you can let in a bad goal. It's how you deal with it. I, there was a game he had this year, and it's just fun to watch him, right? And he made a mistake, and then he made a second mistake. And I wasn't, like, happy. I wasn't excited, but I was because he's in eighth grade, right, at this time. I wanted to see how he would respond to this. Could he get out of his own head and, like, he's got an opportunity to show that he can rise to the occasion. He just had two bad plays. Can you overcome it? Because, like you just said, life's going to, you know, smack you and hit you in the face. You know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes in bigger spots. How do you deal with those mistakes? And I think is what a lot of coaches and professionals and business people and future bosses are looking for to see how you handle that because it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, do you see that a lot in youth sports? Because so much of it has been built up to everything has to be like paved for you. You know, they, I think they call it the, the snowplow parenting or the effect. You know, right. things are paved out for you. And it's like, no, 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 you're going to go on this journey. And this journey is going to be just very smooth sailing. You have a little bit of hard work, but we're going to clear the path for you. And you're going to end up at this great college. And you're going to go professional. And everything's good. And then it doesn't, you can blow out a knee. The things, I mean, that's just in the sports. Or you didn't get picked for the job. Do you see that a lot? Do you see that playing out a lot in the, in, in the world that you're in? I think it, it, you're seeing more of it. You know, I think you're seeing more of, uh, you know, parents making their children's lives a little more predetermined, you know, as opposed to kind of just uh, arming them with the tools to, you know, survival skills out here, you know. So, um, you know, as a son, you know, of course, you know, most of us are mama's boys. <laughs> you know, we certainly love when our parents took care of us, especially yeah. our mother. You know, but I think a lot of our parents in my generation, you know, kind of let us figure it out, you know, um, as opposed to doing everything for, you know, and I'm certainly not saying this new generation is, is completely like that. I know some 
very upstanding, hardworking kids out here, you know, young people out here, you know. So, but I think with the, uh, you know, with social media and, you know, just the world being connected so closely, you know, especially uh, video content, you see, um, you know, just so many examples of it being done the wrong way, <laughs> you know, so you kind of get yourself, um, you know, thinking, was well, this whole generation is like that. But, um, you know, just as far as, um, you know, what I've learned through my life, sports has been a pinnacle, just how I make decisions, you know, how I, um, you know, get through adversity. And also you have to attribute sports to, um, you know, giving you the tools to be able to bounce back in situations and thrive and learn from past mistakes. That's well said. And you've did this in a sense that, uh, and I've talked to a lot of former athletes before, former athletes have played at the highest level like you have. You didn't start playing football, I understand it, until your freshman year in high school. And we live in an era right now where there's seven-year-olds out there who are the next Marcus Sullivan's who are going to go to Illinois, who are going to get drafted in the NFL or whatever, pick a sport or, you know, whatever that might be. And I'm fascinated because they're specializing in these sports at a very young age. And I've heard you talk about how basketball was actually a big helper for you to become a good football player, but that you didn't ever even play football. I'm sure you messed around with football, but you didn't play organized football until you were in high school. And they didn't even recognize the potential in your you know, elite ability until you, I believe, go going maybe into your sophomore year and you see it now, it's like, well, we got to get this kid throwing as fast as he can if he's a pitcher. He's got to play shortstop at age six and he's got to stay in that position for the rest of his life. He's got to play point guard now. He's got to play soccer and, and do it at all these different levels. You know, my son just started playing soccer, really organized like at a, at a decent high level until last year. He's playing every sport you can imagine. Cause, but anyway... Enough of me saying that from someone who played at the highest level, who started, didn't start playing organized football until they were a freshman in high school. Like, what do you see going on with youth sports today? Honestly, I think you can attribute that behavior in youth sports just to the rising cost of college. You know, so parents essentially going to, you know, if they see an inkling of athletic ability in their kid, they're going to try to maximize that as much as possible because, you know, there may be a, better chance of them getting academic scholarship money, you know, to, to go to school for free, some one of the top schools in the country for free. So I think that's why a lot of parents are spending so much time and investing so much time and money into these kids um, to essentially get their college paid for. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, there's parents that, um, you know, are doing the same thing to get their kid to go to the NFL, but, you know, heck, you got to go to college first to get to the NFL. <laughs> you, know? <Yeah. laughs> so, um, you know, I think if, Colleges were a little more uh, inexpensive, you know, even the option to have a community college for free, you know, just like, um, you know, high school, public high school is, you know, I think you'll see a lot of less folks out here playing the game, sports in general, you know, because, you know, you didn't have to, you know, or you necessarily, uh, not necessarily you would give up sports completely, but, you know, it wouldn't be so much of a demand um, and an expectation to specialize in things, you know, because the competition is fierce, you know. Um, you know, with Huddle now and, you know, able the ability to see, um, you know, film of any kid in, in the world, you know, just by click of a button, you know, there, there's a lot of options for these coaches to have nowadays as opposed to, you know, back in the day, you know, most of these coaches just uh, recruited regionally, you know, and they really didn't move outside of their own reach, especially the top schools. 
Um, the Power Five schools, you know, they didn't have to look far to get players. A lot of these teams had uh, local talent or surrounding state talent, you know, that would make up 90% of their team. But now, you know, you got um, schools that are getting talent all, all all over the country because they can recruit so easily. So, you know, with all this added pressure, of course, you're going to see the specialization of sports, you know. But again, I think the main reason for that is just the cost of tuition is just too darn high. Yeah. Well, that's College a- it's a good point, though, that you make that there's a driving force behind the behavior, and it's because you said the, the tuition. But then we go look back and say, well, here's an individual that didn't specialize, that of course would love a free education at the University of Illinois, right? And play at a high level, but used it the other way to say, well, you played, I'm sure you played a lot of different sports, you, basketball being a focus, it sounded like for a while at least, that allowed mm-hmm. you to take that next step. So it's like, we can see specialization as, ooh, that's a good that's a good way to get there possibly. But actually, now you're just, you know, you talk to medical, the medical facilities, or you're, you know, women's soccer, for example, they see more more torn ACLs than they've ever seen because they're hitting those same muscles over and over and over again and something's going to break, something's going to snap. Or if they would play multiple sports, it doesn't mean they have to give up soccer. It's just that they're using other muscles. They're swimming. They're, they're, playing, so- they're playing baseball. They're, you know, to playing tennis, whatever that might be. Um, there are examples of players out there in any sport that didn't just specialize at such a young age. I've seen this a lot. And we've talked to a baseball player who plays, plays the Seattle Mariners. He played every sport. He didn't have high-level sports in the town he was in. He loved baseball, but he played every sport. You know, he played football. He played soccer. He did all these different things, and that actually helped him, he feels like, make the leap from he went to college. He wasn't a great big recruit. He goes to the NFL. Or, I'm sorry, he went to Major League Baseball and, you know, was able to perform in playing baseball because he didn't just specialize just like you did. Um, I, I don't know if we see that, like you said, though, because there's just such a demand and, and it's almost calling for it because, like you, just like you said, college is so expensive. But then here you are. And you're the president of Midwest Prep Academy, and you're giving an opportunity to kids to get that extra year, and you can explain this better than I could, but to get that extra year of high school possibly, to help them place, to get them on a better track perhaps. Tell us about Midwest Prep Academy. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for asking. Uh, first, let me go back to your you know, original uh, comment about sure. you know, why, why youth sports are that way, why aren't more kids um, playing multiple sports. Well, in my opinion, and, um, you know, we certainly do this at Midwest Prep, is there's, a, there's more of an availability to get specialized coaching nowadays. You know, that, that stuff wasn't here in the, you know, before the 1990s, you know, you know or not in a, a wide level. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in the, you know, in the early, late 90s. You know, I didn't, we didn't have any specialized trainers like, like that. You know, now the um, opportunity for people to get um, degrees in sport management and, and, and uh, you know, get certified as, uh, you know, certified strength and conditioning coaches, fitness coaches, you know, that sparks a lot more job opportunities, you know, or, or job creation opportunities, uh, entrepreneurship, you know. So all these folks that played sports, you know, what the heck else are we going to go into? <laughs> you know, we certainly can go into uh, banking or finance, you know, things like that. But, you know, ultimately, most of us that play sports absolutely love sports, and you can make a business out of it, you're going to do that, you know. So now that you have so many people and businesses out here that can, you know, provide these services to 
these parents and these kids. You know, that's why you see more than sports uh, specialization. And we do this at Midwest Prep. You know, we, we are a business. You know, we certainly want to help these kids get into college, but at the end of the day, these parents are paying us to help their kid, um, you know, continue to develop and get them into college, you know. So we take kids that have graduated high school um, that, you know, play football. Uh, we're starting basketball soon. But, I mean, we've been doing football for the last five years and, you know, basically just uh, selling the opportunity to get coached by, um, you know, men that have been in the profession for a long time, have played um, the profession on the highest levels, Division One and NFL, and we basically sell our services to train the kids, um, you know, provide them a platform to continue to play football uh, after high school, and then helping the kids as best as we can to get into college uh, the following semester. So, you know, uh, again, my, my degrees in sport management as well. You know, I always wanted to be some type of uh, executive or business owner uh, of a sports, uh, you know, uh, opportunity in the organization, and I'm doing that right now, you know. But I think that's the reason, you know, there's just more options for these parents and kids to take advantage of now. Well, you make a lot of good points because, and I get it, at a certain level, at a certain age, let's say when you were a sophomore, you probably had to decide, well, I want to focus on football. So I think specialization definitely comes in there. You know, there's there's very few athletes that go out and play. We saw one this year get drafted number one who's playing two sports. But even he had yeah. to decide, right? He had to, Kyler Murray had to make the decision. Typically, exactly. you're making that decision a little bit earlier because it is so hard probably to do. Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, right? Name That's three guys I can name. But, and, um, but you make a really strong point because I think back to it. And I was never going anywhere with basketball, but I think back to basketball. I remember being in my side yard shooting. I love shooting. And it was like, could you imagine today you can have a shooting coach? And I'm like, could you? I mean, I thought I was a pretty good shooter back in the day. And imagine if I had a shooting coach that could help me with that, and then I could help me out with my defense a little bit. I could have found a way to play a little bit more than that than I did, perhaps. But it is right. You have this specialization. My son, who, for example, we talked about he's playing soccer goalie. The amount of soccer goalie coaches that are out there that played European soccer, right? That played high level. His coach for next season played in France, was on the national team at one level, right? You're right. That's a really good point. And I'm not, maybe I haven't thought about it to that extent. It's like, well, because they have availability now that didn't exist before. But then you do, like you said, you do have to specialize probably at a certain point if you want to make something more with this. You have to try to probably the four star, the four letter athlete, uh, the four sport athlete maybe doesn't exist like it used to. Um, but here they are now. They see the opportunity to go play football or whatever sport. There's these new programs that are being developed. And yours is, you know, coming in the 13th grade, I suppose. Right, that they can go and learn, and it's more than just football. I would imagine it's this opportunity to learn from the right people, to get surrounded, to make good decisions. And and we've seen good players go to military. This isn't a military school, but they've gone to different programs like that. Go to that thirteenth year, that 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 in between year. Hockey players do it a lot of times, and yep. to have that opportunity to do that. Um, how is it going? Are you getting kids more from your neck of the woods in Illinois? Are you getting them from all over the country? What does that look like? Yeah, we've gotten kids from all over the world. I mean, um, just last year we had a young man from um, Lithuania. Uh, two years ago we had two young men from, uh, well, one young man from Australia, one young man from uh, New Zealand. You know, so we've had young men from America some more. So, I mean, we get them all over the place, you know, and obviously all in between the United States. So I can really, I'd say, yes, most of our players, you know, the majority of our players come from the Midwest. 
Um, you know, but you know, every year our roster is you know very diverse. Of, you know, from young men from different backgrounds across the world. So um, you know, we've been doing a good job, uh, I believe, getting young men into school. Uh, we have about a ninety percent scholarship uh, rate. You know, where a young man gets some type of scholarship or you know grant opportunity to go to school. You know, we certainly don't depend where they go to school. We simply try to get them options so they can make decisions. Because a lot of our kids uh, have nothing coming out of high school, you know, and, you know, the offers that they do have, they're essentially walk-on offers or, you know, non-scholarship offers, you know, roster spot offers. So, you know, um, you know, for the money, why not try to get yourself, um, you know, uh, an opportunity to play on a, a, a another level that you feel you can play on, you know. So and that's what we do. We just give these kids an opportunity and give them, um, you know, provide the resources and our assistance to get into college. It's a great word. We use it a lot. Is opportunity, and mm-hmm. because you can't, you know, you can give them the opportunity. It's up, you give them the opportunity when they show up at your program, to at your prep yeah. school. You give them the opportunity, possibly, to go to the next level. They still have to do the things, right? It's it's like I, we always attribute it to like, well, we could you, you can generate an opportunity, but it's up to that person to close the deal, right? If you look at it from the sales component of it, I can't close it for you. I can't work out for you. I can't show up in the morning. I can't do these different things. All I can do is I can work with you and hopefully give you an opportunity that you can do something with it. And you know what's really cool about this, this conversation and all is you made a comment about Buffalo on Twitter. We engaged, and before we chatted, I found out that you had this uh, prep academy and the different things that you're doing and how well-spoken you are and all these different topics. And, and don't just go by what everyone else has said. You formed your own opinions, and you wanted to become, as you said, like a business owner, a leader, an executive. And it's just awesome to have these types of conversations that start with Buffalo and Bills and all these different things. And next thing here you are, you're doing all these incredible things for the for uh, young men, like you keep calling them. And, and I think that's, that's, that's just excellent. That's why social media can be so good. There's a lot of negative. There's a, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses. There's a lot of um, you know, making other people feel bad. And there's people taking vacations yep. and they just to take the pictures. And, and there's just so many, there's a lot of negative out there. But if you can control your feed as best you can and use it for the possible good, I feel like these types of conversations are why I think social media is amazing. There's no chance whatsoever that you and I are having this conversation if it's not for Twitter. It's just not. It's just not right. happening. And I think that's pretty amazing. And and then here you are out there helping others realize their opportunities because there's a lot of transitions we go through in all stages of our lives. And you've done that. So I want to get a little bit into your, like your transitions because you're helping other people do it. You go from okay, I'm going to play football. I'm pretty good at it. And I'm a sophomore. I'm going to move up to the varsity level. There's your first transition probably. Your first transition is uh oh, I'm on the varsity team and I'm a sophomore. And I would imagine like that's not the easiest thing because first of all, you're just probably learning your technique. You're not even exactly sure what to do. You just happen to be pretty gifted at it or pretty good at it. You've worked hard to get to that point. What was that transition like? And then I want to hit all the other transitions that were that that you hit after that. Well, I'd say the first transition was that transition from grade school to high school. You know, and I think that's um, a lot of people aren't talking about that period in a young person's life. You know, you see so many kids that, you know, oh, he was such a good kid when he was younger. What happened? You know, I I don't know what it is. I I had a pretty decent transition. But uh, you see so many kids not making a smooth transition from grade school to high school. You know, something happens in that summer or that, you know, that first year or semester um, in their freshman year where, you know, the the light bulb goes off. You know, the 
dreams and the, and the hopes and you know I'm sorry, not again I'm certainly not saying this for everyone but I, I've seen this happen to quite a few of our, of our young people out here um, and that's why you see a lot of them have to play catch up um, later you know in high school because they just you know realize four years is nothing it goes by like that you know so a lot of these kids get behind academically and a lot of these kids are not I, I, I have the opportunity to take um, you know uh, scholarship opportunities you know that we've seen from our business so um, you know again don't get me wrong there's a lot of kids doing it right but you know I think there's there needs to be something in place that summer uh, that a young person transitions from high school to college you know some type of camp seminar you know this can be a good business opportunity for you folks out there see I'm dropping these gems on you that's it. <laughs> You know, perhaps start something where you have a tutoring or mentorship program or camp, you know, where these kids can kind of um, learn the uh, challenges that they're going to face when they go into high school. Well, I'm so glad you brought that- this, and that's a first, and you went back a little bit on me, and that's you're absolutely right, because I actually have a son who's from 8th grade to ninth grade, and we've been talking a lot about this, so I'm glad you brought this up, and I, and I see a lot of kids, and I remember I was I was there, you were there, in um, middle school, and then high school, but you know, when you're in middle school and you kind of make your way to 8th grade, you're like, you probably think you're the big man on campus, and you see a lot of kids yeah. talking, and they think they, they got it, they figured, they figured it out, and you know, we've all been there, but then you kind of get to high school, and I feel like you get humbled a little bit, you're like, whoa, you're like the baby on campus now and people are going to call you out and they're going to tell you stuff and it's kind of like you said it's like there's got obstacles in your way all of a sudden you're like hold on who, there was no obstacles last year now i got all these new obstacles in my way and i'm the baby and I, i'm getting overpowered possibly and i think i had it all figured out do you think that has a lot to do with it i think that oh they're the big man on campus or they got this big attitude about these things and they get to high school and it's like oh it's it's, it's not that easy i mean you're being coddled almost in a way in middle school and you get to high school it's like not the real world, but you're getting closer to it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and and they do get humbled, and uh, you know, again, some people are, some young people are able to adjust. You know, a lot aren't. You know, so a lot of them fall into bad influences. You know, from from whatever. You know, but um, you know, you see it more so academically. Not not saying uh, uh, behaviorally. You'd see it more academically where there's just a, a drop in a kid's athletic performance. I'm sorry, academic performance. And then, you know, their junior year, you know, when some of these kids are really starting to contemplate going to college and playing football after college, you know, sports in general after college, you know, they look back and say, well, heck, I got them at a 1-5 right now, a 1-8. You know, what the heck am I going to do? You know, so, uh, again, you know, I, I – I really hope something gets put in place, and actually we're working towards that at Midwest Prep, you know, as an extension of our program, you know, to kind of have a uh, um, an opportunity for these transitioning uh, grade school kids to high school, you know, come in, you know, to what we're doing. And, well, I think uh, that's a know, good idea for you guys because if you hit them, let's say, what is that, four or five years before they ever get to you, well, now they know who you are and they understand that you have their best interest at heart. And if you well, don't actually, even – don't even- we don't even want them to come to us. You know, we want them to go to college. Right, right. Know? But if you had to help them, if, they, if someone needed we that extra year. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're doing the right thing in that regard, though, right? Mm-hmm. You're sending them the right message. If they, if they, if you can put yourself out of business in a way, right, because you've helped so many people, I think you're doing the right thing. That's exactly right. You know, we, we're simply a business because there's a need. But if there's not a need, I, I'd be happy with that. You know, I can always go, you know, I have other... Um, you know, goals that I want to achieve in my life. You sure. know, I don't need to do this forever, but, you know, as long as they're in need, we're here to help people. Yeah. 
So then you go, yeah, we talked about going from middle school to high school. You made the eighth and ninth grade jump. And then for you individually going to that, is that the next thing where you, as far as your football playing career is concerned? Because what I'm kind of after here is after that, you make it, you're on your high school team um, and you're having to prove yourself in that world. Was that uh, a big rise? Oh, wow, I better rise to the occasion here because I'm surrounded by some grown men, it seems like, and I'm only a sophomore. Or, did, or was it easy for you? Was that transition not a big deal? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't. It, I don't want to say it was easy, but I, I think I had a better time, uh, you know, making that tr- transition than others, you know, um, you know, simply for the fact that uh, I, I was bigger than most of the seniors anyway. There you go. <laughs> you <know? laughs> that makes it easier, that, that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but you, you get a lot of experience. You know, we had some good football teams back then and, uh, you know, had some good leadership on our, on our teams from our older players. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, for the most part, they embrace the younger players because they feel that, you know, these kids can help them, you know. So it wasn't a situation where they brought up 10, 12 young guys. It was myself and, and two others, you know. So they needed a little more depth, and, um, you know, so they brought us up, you know. So the, the, but that has a lot to do with coaching, too, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't the coach almost demand, the right coach would demand that, you know, these are part of, these guys can help us out. Because you've seen it on teams before where they bring the young guys in and everyone resents them and they, they're there to take their job and they could make it miserable for that person. But if you have the right culture built, that can change everything. No, that's exactly right. You know, when you, when you have a culture of, of, of players that understand that, this is all for the betterment of the team. And you obviously have a coach that can kind of, um, you know, put all of that together, you know, making sure that it's, it's uh, completely organic. Um, that's when you start having winning organizations, you know. So, um, you know, our coaches certainly saw that, I believe. And, um, you know, my senior year, we ended up going to state championship. So, um, you know, it was, it was a good it was a good period in my high school career. I would imagine so. And then you become, I'm not sure if you're the best or one of the best offensive linemen recruits. Is this 1996? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, and so you've getting recruited by a lot of the big schools. I'm sure Big Ten countries after you. I got to tell you, I'm a Buckeye fan. Um, my parents met at Ohio State. Got it. Yeah, so, yeah, so um, you know, it's just I was born into it. And my dad always said, we'll always help you out. But if you go to that team up north, you just, you're on your own at that point. But uh, obviously didn't do that. I, I ended up coming down south. I went to the College of Charleston for school. But they don't have a football program, so it worked out beautifully. So huge Buckeye family. My grandparents, grand, you know, went there and all that. So we try to get back every year. But it's funny is my grandfather, um, who I look up to and died way too young and owned a business. He's one of the big reasons why I became an entrepreneur actually went to Illinois. So I've always had a soft spot and he played football. He didn't play football. This is way back. Right. Um, but he was on the club team and he was a boxer and he was in the U.S. Navy and always looked up to him. So, I mean, I'll tell you, I got a pennant in my house with the fighting Illini on it. So I've always, <laughs> nice. always will have a soft spot. I will never have a soft spot for Michigan, but for the Illini and for what you were doing, absolutely. So you end up as a top five-star recruit. And uh, I think Street Smith probably at the time is probably one of the biggest uh, recruiting magazines. Like that yeah, time yeah. period in your life, man, that's got to be crazy because they all wanted you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had, a, I had a lot of opportunities out there, but ultimately I picked Illinois because, you know, they had a 98% graduation rate at the time, and it was close to, you know, I was only, I only grew up two hours from there, 
you know, it gave my uh, family an opportunity to come see my game. So, you know, that was a big part of it as well. So, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed my experience at Illinois, um, you know, academically and athletically. You know, it taught me a lot about being a, a human being and a, and a good, uh, you know, good football player and a good man. Yeah, and had a good career at Illinois. Um, and I know Illinois recently hasn't done as well, but they've had good teams. They've had, you know, good. They've had a good program. Uh, something recently, is, it's tough. I mean, I think the competition is just at a, is even the Big Ten is just is done very well recently um, with a lot of teams. But anyway, so you're at Illinois. You have a good run there, and then you're transitioning. Um, and like you said, we already talked about going the draft, thought where you might go to the draft. So we kind of already discussed that transition. But there's another big transition that takes place, and it takes place for a lot of professional athletes, and it might not take place at the time you predict it or wanted it to take place because they're always you're going to be a young man still, and you're going to be going out from sports and going out to do something else. And that's because of injury, because the play's not there anymore, or because you're just kind of done with it and you retire from the game. But that is a major transition that we keep hearing a lot about that professional athletes are going through. Today's athlete, I believe, has a great opportunity because of social media. They are influencers in their marketplace. They can get on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, whatever, and they can have conversations and engagement and do all sorts of things. They can build their brand. I mean, you see it now in the NBA that branding is this huge thing. I mean, Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson and LeBron James and these guys are cutting out the middleman and they're going direct to their Instagram feed. Kevin Durant just did that on his boardroom platform on Instagram, announced where he's going to play next year. So there's a huge amount of branding opportunities today for young athletes. But at the same time, there's still that transition where you're not the player. You're not doing that anymore. You're not a part of the organization. You're kind of gotten to do your own thing. Talk about for you that transition and then maybe a little bit about the transition for today's athletes that you see that are leaving sports and entering, say, possibly the business world. Yeah, sure. So um, as far as my transition, obviously um, no one leaves professional sports, um, you know, well, let me take that back. Not all of us leave professional sports. Um, you know, winning the Super Bowl or kind of riding off into the sunset, stuff like that, retiring on your own terms. A lot of us just abruptly get kicked out of the game for whatever reason. Injury, um, you know, you have a lot of, um, you know, off-the-field nonsense that goes on, but for the most part it's injury, you know. And if you, you get that injury that just, you know, you're not going to bounce back from, your your career is over, and you have to kind of make that transition. I think if you – you know, kind of understand that you only have a finite number of years to play the game anyway, you know, you should be thinking about that transition, you know. Don't get me wrong, everyone wants to play forever. I would have loved to play, you know, 10 years, you know, but it didn't happen, you know. And I think I always had that in the back of my mind, but, you know, when it just comes so abruptly like that, you know, there's a certainly a transition period or grieving, grieving period that you go through as a professional athlete um, when you kind of got to sulk a little bit and, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, it's all right to show emotion, you know, it's all right to, um, you know, to feel that way. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to pick yourself back up and go find something else to do, you know. So I uh, had a degree, you know, that certainly helped, you know, was, you know, I was able to go and, you know, kind of venture out into different uh, fields, you know, kind of test the waters in different fields sales. I worked, uh, you know, I worked for the federal government. I worked in, 
you know, uh, school administration. I worked for in the uh, social service uh, realm. You know, I did a lot of things, you know, but ultimately I ended up back at sports. I, you know, I started coaching about 10 years ago, and then the last uh, six years I've been, you know, owning my own business that, you know, um, is a uh, sport business, you know. So um, don't, a lot of uh, my peers um, have been way more successful than I have, and a lot of my peers have, you know, gone through some uh, struggles and, you know, some real tor- turmoil after they, um, you know, stopped, their, stopped playing football, you know. So it affects us in different ways, you know, but I believe if you um, go into it knowing that it's going to end, you know, at a flash, you know, in a flash, and you better make sure that you have some type of uh, transition plan. You know, I think that certainly eases that, um, you know, that grieving period and allows you to kind of get moving forward, you know, because most of us retire before we're 30, you know. So you're certainly not going to have made enough money to survive the rest of your life, which you made in the NFL. You know, I see so many people talking about, oh, well, athletes go broke. Well, you know, if you only play three, four years, which is the average year, you know, how are you going to, you know, make that stretch for the rest of your life? You know, you have to do something else is what, I, what I'm saying. Certainly make good investments and everything, but you have to work, you know, doing something. You know, so I think, um, you know, I certainly had some challenges, but ultimately I think I bounced back pretty successfully. But, you know, again, some people do a great job, some people don't. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's in, it's great insight that you offer, and I think it's important. And I, I heard it when we chatted with Chimdi Chekwa, who played at Ohio State, uh, All-American quarterback, played for the Oakland Raiders, and he talked about it was his head start in life. Play, having the opportunity to play in the NFL gave him a head start. He knew, like you said, had to work, had to do things, had to do more. But it gave him an opportunity to then come off of that at the time period he did to then utilize it to go get that next thing to go invest in that next opportunity, that next business, or whatever that might be, that allowed him the head start. That's something that football gave him. He loved the game of football, loved sports, but that gave him this next thing that he could do. And you Yeah, know, I, think, that's I think that, sure, I think that, you know, all athletes that play sports need to, you know, have that kind of come-to-Jesus moment. You know, this can end, you know, abruptly. You know, I need to be prepared and you know, have a plan on what's next. You know, not necessarily played – uh, in the NFL, because it happens abruptly for, you know, youth, high school, and football, and uh, college players, you know. So, um, you know, once you kind of understand it, and, and, and be thankful for what athletics is ta- have taught you, you know, and utilize that in your, your next career, because you there, there's so many different uh, references that you can kind of pull from, from sports that will apply to your, you know, professional and personal life. And you bring up something that's important, and we talk about it a lot of times, and maybe we talk about it as playing the game, whether you're playing a pickup basketball game outside or whatever you want to do, or watching the game as a fan or someone like yourself who plays it at the ultimate level. Sports matter, and there's a lot of different variations as to why sports matter. And there's, you know, a lot of times I think about it, it's like it removes all the stuff behind you and ahead of you, and you can just lock in on that moment. And I think that's being present, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It matters because it doesn't matter. It matters because we wrote an article about this. It brings people together. You know, when we go to Columbus, Ohio, or go to an Ohio State football game, I can take my son and we can be with my parents or I can take other family members or we can go to a Buffalo Bills game, right? There's things that we can do and it just it brings people together. You can go sit at a sports bar with your friends and watch the game on TV. It brings people together. There's a lot of different reasons. But for you, why do you love football so much? I fell in love with I fell in love with the sport when I was young. You know, it just 
uh, allowed me to kind of express myself and, you know, have fun and, you know, and, and, you know, be with your teammates. And, you know, those are feelings that, you know, you, you remember for the rest of your life, you know, and, and what brought those experiences on was the game of football and sports in general, you know, so whatever you play, you know, so, and then obviously when you start developing a love for, for things and you truly love it, you know, you're going to want to get better at it. You know, you want to want to improve upon that relationship. So, um, you know, that's where, you know, the, the hard work and the, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears come in. You know, you want to make sure that you honor the game and make sure that you uh, are playing the game. Uh, you're you're contributing back to the game. You know, you're you know not not so much, you know, not taking away from the game, you know, because you have to put it back. You kind of have to you know, get forward to the younger generation, you know. So that's what inspires me about it. That's why I love the game. The game has uh, afforded me a good life and, you know, the game has uh, taken me all over the world, you know, so, you know, these, these are things that I, you know, I, I could have, you know, I could have experienced them without football, you know, football it def- it does not define me, you know, it just was a tremendous resource to help me, um, you know, live my life. But, um, you know, I, I believe I could have done, you know, other things. I actually, you know, um, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a high school um, history teacher, <laughs> you know, so I went and entered into Illinois as a secondary ed major. But, um, you know, we started to learn more about sport management, and, you know, I, you know I, I've always loved sports and, you know, just learning that you can turn sport into kind of a business opportunity or career opportunity, you know, when um, your playing career is over, that really appealed to me, so I switched to sport management, so... Um, you know, just giving me a, a lot of opportunity out here. And, um, you know, I, I just want to share my experiences with these young people so they can have, build their own um, experiences, you know, and pay it for it, you know, when they get to that age to be able to mentor young people. Because that, that's how, you know, the world keeps revolving. You know, the world keeps, you know, moving in the right direction. You know, not necessarily playing football, but, you know, just making sure the younger generation is doing all right. Well, just giving back. I mean, and like you said, giving exactly. opportunities. And I, and I just appreciate you, you know, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, um, people are paying attention to what you're doing. You're, you're, you're being mentioned in different articles. You've been in on different podcasts. You're, you, you need to, your message should be out there because you're, you have a lot of great insight in what you're doing. And obviously you're sharing that with Midwest Prep Academy and, and everything else that you're doing now and what you'll be doing, who knows, going down the road, right? And it's just this path that you'll continue exactly. to go down. And, and I'm just appreciative of the time you spent with us and share this insight. I hope we get to continue to stay in touch and see what you have going on. If there's any way we can help, um, we want to do that, you know, because I think it's a great message that you're sharing. I mean, you talked about it before, you know, the transition from middle school to high school, and there's all sorts of things that people go through in their lives and it's all different years and there is no set schedule for how that's all going to play out. Right. I mean, it's just, you never know when things going to happen. And, uh, someone like yourself who's out there, who's, who's seen a lot, has been through a lot and, uh, reached ultimate level. Levels and, and, and strives for new ultimate levels. I think it's important for someone like yourself to continue to share that message and share your insights because we need to hear them. And so, I, like I said before, I'm excited that you uh, spent some time with us. Tell us real quick, though, like what you see happening. I know we talked about briefly with Illinois football, uh, where they're going. Do you see good things down the road? Uh, you know, being Ohio State, obviously Ohio State's done very well. Michigan's kind of up there. Do you see Illinois and the Big Ten football? Do you see them... Uh, Making a making a path for themselves pretty soon to to get back to where they've been when you were there. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm excited for the for the upcoming decade. You know, 2020. 
you know, I think there's going to be a lot of changes out here. <laughs> you know, a lot of change, change, changing of the guard. You know, from uh, you know, from sports to you know, the political world. You know, I think it's going to be a, a new and exciting uh, decade. You know, because the uh, 2010s were a little rough. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of things going on. You know, uh, positively and negatively. But um, you know, I, I think our country, and you know, I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, you know, from um, you know, from a sports standpoint, and a uh, you know, and and I always bring it back to myself is my household in order. <laughs> you know, before I start worrying about the rest of the world, I got to make sure my house is in order. And I think if people live by that philosophy, and they'll, you know, because as we talked about earlier, people get on Twitter and rant, and rave, and you know, and you know, trying to uh, portray something that they're not. <laughs> you know, I think people just really need to focus on what's going on in their household and their children and their, you know, their their uh, well-being before they start kind of criticizing other people. That's absolutely it. Well, that <clears throat> that brings us full full circle, right? Because well, that brings us full circle because that is exactly how we got in touch. And someone's shooting their mouth off until a big offensive lineman from Illinois, who used to play for the Buffalo Bills, just comes and shuts their mouth for him a little bit. Because you know, that's like you just said. Worry about what you have going on for yourself and focus on that. And then then and you know what? The other thing you can do is do what you do and help other people out. And you just being on this podcast, I think, helps us out. I know our team's going to listen to it. I know other people that will be fascinated by it. And if it's just those people alone that listen to this thing, man, that's what we want to do. We want to put that goodness out there. And it, it sounds like sunshine and rainbows. And I always say it's like, you know, but but whatever. Um, that's It's just it's good stuff, and I think it works. And, and what you have going on is pretty awesome. So, Marcus, what's the best way that people can get a hold of you and learn a little bit more about you and what you have going on? Well, the best way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. Um, I, my uh, DM is open, so please shoot me a, a line. Um, it's Sifu Sullivan, S-I-F-U-S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N, Sifu Sullivan, uh, at Sifu Sullivan on Twitter. And uh, my business, uh, Midwest Prep Sports Academy, can be found on www.midwestprepacademy.com. That's midwestprepacademy.com. Well, that's it, man. Well, I appreciate, again, you spending the time with us. And um, I know you got a busy day, busy schedule, a lot going on, a lot of people to help out. So I hope we can stay in touch. I appreciate that. And, you know, thank you for taking some time out of your day. It was amazing chatting with Marcus about his football journey then and now. Connecting through social media led us to this conversation. And I'm grateful for the opportunity and for all the good Marcus is putting into the world. These stories from people like Marcus Sullivan are what it's all about. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Now go get it.